Welcome to the Massacre Matinee. Welcome back to the Matinee, Kate. Welcome back. So, this being our hunting weekend. Yes. Even though it doesn't sound like it, we're, we're sitting in a tree stand right now. Yeah. We're, we're actually pre-recording <laughs> this one. Um, and this one is actually hunting related. Yes. 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 So... <laughs> The main person, and my pronunciation of his name may be a little bit off, but the main person in this story is Chai Sua Vang. Uh, he is a Hmong gentleman. Before I get into anything about him or the situation that happens, I need to backstory this a little bit. Mm-hmm. In northwestern Wisconsin and like Minnesota area, there are a lot of Hmong immigrants. Um, a lot of them came over from Laos during... Mm. A, a lot of stuff happened. There's when you say Hmong, you mean like Mongolian? No, uh, oh. it's a belief. Uh, oh, H-M-O-N-G. Okay. okay. I think Hmong people. The H is silent. Ah. Hmong. In that area, there's a lot of issues between hunters especially in the north northwestern wisconsin area i mean hunting's huge all the same anyway right but especially around this particular time uh this actually happened in 2004 but it it was really kind of at a peak that there was issues between the hunters and the Hmong people that were in the area because where they come from you know hunting is a right shared by everyone and you shouldn't need to deal with public versus private land because the hunting land is for everyone kind of thing okay so i I bet a lot of it was um trespassing disputes and everything like that yes a lot of it was trespassing disputes and a lot of it was also them not wanting to listen to the laws and hunt the appropriate things in the seasons and a lot of dnr stuff and yeah it was a constant thing and another thing that i do want to say before we get into everything is the surname of Vang Bang, not sure how it's pronounced uh very very common although they're not all related right within this as a result of this case another person named Cha Vang actually ended up in a not so great situation. I don't yeah. really have a way to necessarily do a full episode on his story, so I'm going to throw this quick story in there real right. quick. Uh, Cha Vang, which is C-H-A Vang, he was a Hmong gentleman that was actually killed in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Imagine that, in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There are uh, more details to the case that I'm not necessarily going to go into, Offhand, I believe he was shot, stabbed several times, and then basically, like, stashed in the woods. Yeah. Kind of thing. And that situation actually happened two years after this one, so there's some speculation that it may have caused issue sort of thing. Right. So, before I go into Ivang and his history a little bit, because, I mean, realistically, he's not necessarily in the story quite yet, um, I'm going to tell you about the incident first. Right. So, November 21st of 2004, basically peak hunting season. For Wisconsin, yes. Yeah. Well, 
Well, it, in that time, it may have been because I mean, things like when seasons happen do change a little bit. Sunday, November twenty-first, roughly fifteen people were in a cabin on their four hundred acres of private land that was adjacent to public hunting land. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the day, Bai Bang and a couple of friends and their friends' sons had gone out hunting on the public land while these people were on their private adjacent 400 acres of land. Um, The two co-owners of the property were there, um, Harry Willers and Robert Cruteau. Cruteau. Something toe. (laughs) Something's toes. It's it's one of those like E-A-U. Oh, so it could go a lot of... So it's... Cruteau. So both of them were there, uh, along with a couple of family members and friends. Robert's son was there with him. Terry's daughter was there with him. And what had happened was Terry was just kind of out and about. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else mostly was back in the cabin. This was such an expansive property that they had like a radio system, so everybody could be like, "Hey, you know, I'm going over this way." Yeah. So there wasn't well, any kind of like shooting crossfire and everything like that. Like, yeah, doing everything very, very smart. I'd say by the book. Oh yeah. I mean, you learn a lot about that kind of stuff in hunter safety, and I took Wisconsin's hunter safety. So Harry is just out and about, and you see somebody sitting up in a deer stand. Um, that's on their private property. It was actually, I believe, Robert's son stand because mm-hmm. like everybody had their own little area that they were going right, to go to. Right, you and don't need... With, with 400 acres, I mean, they had right. plenty of space to be able to do it. Yeah, and you, you don't need a whole lot of space if you're sitting in a stand. I think our distance from, I'm assuming they're doing bait piles. And if they are, they only need a shooting range. I believe our stand is 42 yards from our bait or our feeder okay so you, you generally a lot of people use like their um deer stands for both rifle and bow season mm-hmm. and 50 yards is about your max so it's between 40 and 50 yards is usually how much space you need right for a shooting lane oh in i know in wisconsin uh crossbow season can run during either bow or rifle season is that the same for michigan for Michigan, it depends on what part you're in. So, like, if you're in the Upper Peninsula, you can't use a... Um, well, for Michigan, we have bow season, we have rifle season, and then we have muzzleloader season. Mm-hmm. I believe Wisconsin also has a muzzleloader Yeah. I believe you can bow hunt with just, like, a compound bow. I think you can hunt with a compound bow. All the way until just the end of mu- muzzleloader season. Okay. You, in the Upper Peninsula, you cannot use a crossbow during muzzleloader season. Okay. But you can during rifle season. If you're in the Lower Peninsula, you can use the crossbow. Michigan's really weird. It's in three it's different very, sections. Yeah. And there's a part um, in the Lower Peninsula, it kind of crots. Like, if you're looking at your, your hand, so it's about like... Right through the middle of the mitten. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only use straight wall cartridges. Okay. So they have to be like a, <laughs> just a cylinder. Mm-hmm. Um, because they want things that are going to lose momentum kind of fast. Right. Because they're in more populated areas. Makes but sense. the UP, it's its own thing. And so Terry saw this guy sitting up in Robert's son's tree stand. Mm-hmm. 
and he radios back he's like hey you know does does anybody else have permission to be out here and robert was like uh, no like we're all we're at capacity all our stands are full like nobody else should be out here <laughs> and he's like well there's there's a guy sitting down here in this tree stand like maybe you guys should come like help me out a little bit back back me up a little bit but i'm gonna tell him to leave now there is some speculation that racial slurs were being thrown around although it's not necessarily confirmed there probably were though i'm not saying at least I'm not one saying person there were. was probably saying at least one or two but i don't think it was like a i'm, I'm not constant. saying yeah i'm not saying they were and i'm not saying they weren't said but i do feel like the media really oh yeah the media is gonna way, run and be like yeah this is a racial about thing about this particular case so i mean they're like i said there's some speculation well i mean if like you said they had 15 people with them mm-hmm. at least one person said one racial slur oh for sure now there is a lot of this is a bit speculative but ultimately as as i understand the situation because it's been said a couple of different ways mm-hmm. ultimately Ben came down from the tree stand, supposedly apologized. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. There's, right. like I said, that that's one of those Glad different he details said, kind of things. Um, and according to Terry Willer's testimony, Robert, who he calls Bob, mm-hmm. and this, as a direct quote said, as Bob got back on the radio and asked me, where he was at i said he was heading south on the flu- food plot right now i radioed into the cabin that i had a tree rat and i had chased him off which tree rat probably not a racial thing probably just a hey there was someone sitting in my stand thing. it's a public land kind of thing when someone kind of sees your stand and they use it for themselves kind of thing yeah yeah so i wouldn't at any point really call that racist specifically I've also heard people refer to squirrels as tree rats, so... Might just be an area, a thing for that area. Now, five of the hunters from the cabin who had heard the first radio message were like, hey, we're mm-hmm. going to go down and check out, see what's going on kind of thing. And they had just showed up at the tree stand shortly after that. Sorry, I googled tree rat to see if it was a racial slur. It's an actual animal. <laughs> it's an actual animal. Yeah, they're kind of cute. They kind of look like me if I like wear makeup at night and I don't take it off in the morning. That is kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the the five hunters from the cabin that were like, hey, we're gonna go down there and check it out and see what's going on. They mm-hmm. had just showed up shortly after Bob had radioed back. Mm. And this is where the confrontation kind of came together because at this point, Bang's there alone and he's been confronted by a handful of hunters. Right. Now, according to the investigation, there was only one rifle that was down there during this time aside from bangs bang had his sks which is very common hunting rifle at that particular area from everything that i saw yeah um shooting a standard 762 by 39 
which yeah. is a very common round for that area right. for the, hunting season. The round's season. really common. I don't know about SKSs being really common. As the For that area, for supposedly, they are a bit more common. Bob Curteau made the suggestion of taking note of Vang's hunting number because in Wisconsin, bit like visible on your back kind of thing mm-hmm. and vang in this whole situation it had a blaze orange vest on or jacket and it had his tag pinned on the back like if you're on public land you need to have yeah private you don't yeah on public land you have to have your dnr tag visible at all times yeah, so he sure probably it. thought he was still on public he he probably did regardless he had it on the on the back of his jacket um Robert Curteau had made the suggestion of maybe we should write that down. So they actually wrote down his DNR license number in the dust on one of the side-by-sides or ATVs, one mm-hmm. one of the off-road vehicles, because they had a couple of different types. They had they mm-hmm. had a side-by-side that one person actually wrote in the back of standing up holding onto the bars, and then there was a couple of single and double rider ATVs, I believe. Man, they just really pulled up on them then. <laughs> Well, this isn't all, that's not all what showed up at once. I believe Mm. it was just a single ATV and a single side-by-side that showed up with that group. What's not mentioned through this particular article, but is mentioned in another article that I read, um, is that Vang had a history and he had already gotten himself in trouble for Mm -hmm. trespassing on private land. Right. And... That's exactly what he was doing now, and in the state of Wisconsin, if you get caught doing it, I believe it was either two or three times, they'd just not let you hunt anymore. Yeah, they pull your uh, right to purchase uh, licenses and whatnot. Right. So, according to that article, that might have been part of what, like, sparked him in being like, fuck this. But What a reason! (laughs) According to that article, the other reason is that Oh, they were they were calling him racial slurs and chink this and gook that sort yeah. of thing, and he just got fed up with it. Uh, who knows yeah. what the real reason is? Um, Vang later said that the way he felt is that if he didn't shoot them, they would shoot him, which is a bizarre thing to think. But ultimately what happened is Vang had his back turned to the group. He was walking away, and he had taken the scope off of his SKS, and as he turned around, he was firing shots. Now, four of the eight people that were shot were shot in the back. Um, It was believed that he fired somewhere around 20 rounds. Ultimately, on this day, five people were killed almost instantly not all of them died quickly unfortunately i think he was the laws doing that because he should not have been able to have 21 one have 20 rounds on him i think michigan Michigan and wisconsin have a similar law to where you can only have five rounds in a mag i'm for hunting not sure what the rules were in that area at that time this happened in Meteor, Wisconsin. So, initially, um, five of the people that were shot were shot were killed right away. Uh, the sixth victim died the next day. Um, two additional to that were also wounded. 
And it was described that the way he turned around is that he raised his rifle up to his shoulder in a smooth, continuous sweeping motion as he circled to the right, knelt, and aimed at Terry Willers. Um, Terry Willers was the only other person there that actually had a, a rifle with him, which is, I'm assuming, why he went for him first. Mm-hmm. Um, because he spun around, just he aimed right for Terry and just instantly went for a shot on him and Hesebeck, who is one of the other I'll, I'll get to the list of victims right. in a minute um Hesebeck later said that others did fire at vang although later he testified saying that no one pointed a gun at or fired at vang and it's there's some inconsistencies on that i would think that if he had fired a shot they would have some sort of evidence of that yeah another case right so bang's first shot actually missed willers as he ran and dove for cover but he landed on top of his rifle and couldn't turn around like he couldn't turn over and get to his rifle before bang's second shot hit him in his neck he turned towards the guys that were still on the atvs and shot them uh he shot and killed See, there's names in here, and I don't have... So, I'm, I'm going to say the names, and then I'll later explain. Right. So, he shot Royt on his ATV. His ATV was still in gear, so it kind of was, like, slowly creeping forward, which in itself would be kind of horrifying to see. Everybody's like, oh, shit, because there's shooting going on. Um, He shot and killed Drew. I believe he shot Drew in the back. These are all last names. Um, Robert and his son... Uh, the Crutos, they were running away in fear, and he fired three shots at them. He shot at them towards towards their backs. He shot a lot of people. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he, sh- he shot a lot of people, and he shot most of them in the back. Um, when he killed the Crutos, because neither of the Crutos survived, um, he shot... Bob's son in the back before he killed Bob. And, like, just some of the details are so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the people that died as well was Terry Willer's daughter. Um, The whole situation is fucked. And it was their opening weekend trip. So, like, they had just gotten up there for the weekend for opening gun season. I'm going to give you the list of victims, and then we're going to jump back to <laughs> a little bit of backstory mm-hmm. on Vang, just to kind of explain why he reacted the way he did, and then we'll jump back forward to the trial. Gotcha. So, everyone that died were uh, Robert and Joey Cruteau. Uh Bob was 42 when he was killed. He was hit center mass. He died fairly quickly. Joey was 20 when he died. He was mm. hit four times in the back. Alan Lasky, who was 43, was hit three times, I believe, also in the back. Uh, Mark Royt, he was the guy that was on the ATV that was still in gear. He was 28. Uh, he died with a single headshot. Just mm. uh, Jessica Willers, uh, Terry's daughter, she was 27. She was hit twice in the back. And Denny Drew... Um, he died the following day 
to a gut shot. He was mm. 55. Um, Lauren Hessebeck and T- Terry Willers both survived. Um, Lauren was 48 at the time. Terry was 47 at the time, but obviously around. Um, right. The thing about why I feel he reacted in some of the ways he did was a lot of it was in his training. So Vang was actually born in Laos, and there's a lot of a lot of backstory that you could get into if you wanted to about mm-hmm. how the Lo- the Laotian War affected the livings of these people in, right. in there. But we're not a history podcast; we're a true crime podcast. Right. So go find your history class somewhere <laughs> else. But ultimately. He spent a lot of his childhood in a refugee camp in Thailand before him and his siblings were relocated to the U.S. in 1980. Um, They lived in California, and when he grew up, he joined the National Guard at the age of 21. He was a naturalized citizen, so as was his right. Um, He served from 1989 to 1995, uh, got a sharpshooter qualification badge and a good conduct medal. He was honorably discharged from the National Guard after six years of service. That explains, mm-hmm. like, why he went with, like, the down to one knee and shoot kind of thing. Yeah. He was going for accuracy, clearly, but he had a history of problems. Um, on Christmas Eve of 2001, he was living in um, Minneapolis-St. Paul at the time in mm-hmm. Minnesota, the police were actually called to his house on Christmas Eve of 2001 when he wanted to go out and his wife didn't want him to. Mm-hmm. So they just started fighting and <laughs> the cops were called. And his second marriage, he, he was married twice. Right. His second marriage ended after he nearly choked his wife to death for gambling away $3,000. <laughs> so uh, he, he's got some history there. A, li- a couple issues. Just just a few. One or two, for sure. Now, the thing about court cases in Wisconsin is Wisconsin has CCAP that is accessible online for you to be able to look up names and see court documents mm-hmm. within reason. I mean, they don't show, like, pictures of evidence and things like that. So I went into a hell of a rabbit hole <laughs> last night looking on CCAP of all of the case file information about this case. Yeah. And it, it's not something I really want to suck you into, but it is available right. online if you would like some further details into this sort of stuff. But ultimately what happened was that Vang pled self-defense, that he was feeling threatened, and that's why he did some of the things that he did. Um, he feared I for his life and said that he only that. shot after another hunter shot nearly hit him because supposedly it was they f- the rumor is that it's not that uncommon for them to take pot shots and like shoot like a foot away from people. Yeah, I don't believe any self-respecting hunter would do that. I no, could be wrong. No, but I don't. Um, I have a problem with the whole self-defense thing. In self-defense, you don't shoot people who are running away from you. Exactly. Multiple times. Exactly. So, so he he told him, he's like, I, I began fearing for my life. I only shot because somebody else almost shot me. And 
he told the jurors that they each approached him and he responded by shooting at each one and he said that he shot two of them in the back because they were disrespectful um when asked if Bob Cruteau deserved to die while on the stand he actually said mm-hmm. yes just outright that yeah he deserved it because he was being disrespectful yeah he threw his whole fucking case away mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. <laughs> wow now the one thing that, that I'm, I'm gonna pop over to this other article and this article is actually from Sydney Australia <laughs> yeah yeah Australia <laughs> His account, uh, sorry, Chavang's account of the shootings released today, which would have been November 25th of 2004, describes a wild scene in Wisconsin, in the Wisconsin woods, in which he fired back, shooting and killing the others, reversing his coat from blaze orange to camouflage, and reloading his weapon. At one point, he said he stalked one of the unarmed men and shot him in the back as he fled screaming for help. Screaming for help was actually Joey. That was something that I found in another article. Hmm. Um, when he found one of the victims still standing after he had fired several shots, Vang said that he yelled, you're not dead yet, and fired at him again. Yeah, fuck this dude. <laughs> yeah. The uh, other quick thing that I wanted to bring up before I get into what his charges are and all of that is um, in the Wisconsin Circuit Court records... You can see every single little motion and, like, how they resulted and things like that. Mm -hmm. And one of the motions that they had was to sequester the jury because he couldn't stop talking to reporters. They actually had to court order him to stop writing letters to the newspapers and stop calling reporters. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. in that's in the court records. Like that's the only way I found out that that was a thing was reading through the court records. So, ultimately, homeboy had his little 15 Yeah. Ultimately, just under a year later on September 16th of 2005, Chai Suo was found guilty of all six charges of first-degree intentional homicide as well as three charges of attempted homicide. His public defender said that he was facing verbal abuse and racism, and that's why he reacted the way he did. Hmm. And his jury or his uh, public defender also said that he would have gotten a different outcome in this trial if the jury had not been predominantly Caucasian. Um, I do find some issue with this because there was a couple of motions that were filed, including one that was approved to move the venue of the trial so it wasn't in such a... White neighborhood. Right. Uh, And they they did agree to move the location of the trial. And after all of this, um, he did actually request to be moved to a different prison altogether. But on November 8th of 2005, he was sentenced to six consecutive life terms plus 70 years. 
um, 40 for two counts of attempted homicide as well as five e five more years each for each count of homicide in the first degree um so he basically got life without parole because yeah. wisconsin at the time did not have the death penalty or he would have been at the top of the fucking list because oh yeah i mean come on it's wisconsin and was this like the rice lake area i believe so because it's the minneapolis as well yeah i believe so it was it was not too too far from rice lake i believe it was just a little bit east of rice lake um but the nearest quote-unquote town was called meteor yeah is called meteor and it's just it's a really sparsely populated area that's mostly just people's hunting land yeah rice lake isn't huge but it's bigger mm. than like obviously what we and as i said later on he did end up uh he got moved to an iowa prison i don't remember how much after he got moved to an iowa prison but it ultimately came down to shortly after cha vang was murdered and stuffed in some trees unrelated case <laughs> it was like shortly like, get this shortly after that he w- they were like we need to put him somewhere else oh yeah because you probably would have gotten also murdered and high key i bet somebody thought that that was him honestly i just saw the last name it was just like this fucker did that and then just honestly yeah. probably it would not surprise me one bit. Just takes one racist person to be like, they all look the same. Yeah. So that was our uh, Meteor Wisconsin massacre, hunting massacre. Yeah. Kind of makes you feel good about going hunting, doesn't it? Well, I mean, we're on <laughs> private land that's not but butted up to any public land, so that's Truth. good. <laughs> Truth. And it's not your, like hunting there or anything it's just no. my first time hunting there yeah so you'll have fun it'll be a lot of fun so <laughs> we'll see you guys next week for our next pre-recorded episode yeah. because holidays and uh after the holidays we'll get back onto right more so probably after new year's we'll yeah we are still going to be posting every single week but some of them might be a little bit pre-recorded so we might be able to we might not be able to get back to like any tips or advice or anything like that but following the new year we're going to start going with the parts one and two or one two and three for Mm -hmm. some of the longer cases and uh we'll see how it goes we're up to 20 followers on spotify now so awesome so we'll see you guys next week Bye. bye